<clears throat> shakalaka, we're in. Do you know what Boom Shakalaka is from? No. From is it from... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it was something they used to say on, on, during basketball. But yeah. I specifically remember it from playing NBA Jam on mm-hmm. the Sega Genesis. <laughs> All right, you guys. Welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. I am Cece. And I'm Alex. I'm James. I really don't like it when we I, do things different. <laughs> I almost, I almost cut James off. Like I almost made it sound like it was just you and me. How and did we James do it differently, just, James? Because yeah, I did it differently. It, it was the pacing. Yeah, the way people yeah. said it. Oh man. Oh well. Yeah. James is it OCD. It's all right. He's thrown off the rest of the show, and I'm okay with it. It's <laughs> eating him <laughs> from the inside out. Yep. Well. 13th floor podcast to talk about weird things this week we're talking about alien encounters but before we get started how are you guys doing uh i'm doing swell there you are again with that swell it's like you're from the 70s (laughs) 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 nothing new over here on the side of the uh, couch james how about you i'm doing uh i'm rad you guys if we're gonna be in it all right Well, I'm glad to hear it. Listeners, we want to thank you all for your reviews this week. Mm -hmm. We always love hearing from you. And if you want to leave a review, I'm just going to get this out of the top of the podcast. You can do so on Apple Podcasts. Just leave us a five-star review and let us know what you think. And again, thank you to everybody who's reached out to us this week. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a lot of new downloads. We had somebody download our podcast in Botswana. Hello. Africa. So hello to you. And to everybody. If you're new to this podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you. So, Alex, was there icebreaker? I asked you this before we started, and you didn't. I didn't have one. <laughs> I didn't have one. So. Okay, I got one then. Okay, this is the stupidest icebreaker. But Ooh. if one of your furniture, if, if an inanimate object in your house <laughs> had to be sentient, what furniture would you pick? Oh, <laughs> furniture. That that is very creepy question. Preferably, preferably something like that I don't see often. That way I don't have to listen to it. Mm. Um because like do you really want to talk to something that you've been putting your butt on consistently? <laughs> like it's not going to have nice things to say about what you've done to it. <laughs> like Taco Bell, you know. So, um it had to be We've got a stool here that I don't think I've ever seen someone sit on. <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the stool because <laughs> he wouldn't have anything mean to say. And if I didn't like him, I could just throw him outside. What if that's a stool's life's purpose though? And now he's like super depressed. He's just a <laughs> well, very depressed stool. <laughs> I, I could <laughs> I could just throw him outside. Oh, he's easy. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> I you know this for some reason, James. This question is making me very uncomfortable because I'm just like looking <laughs> around my living room picturing all of these things like talking to me right but i would want to go for something that again i could probably like put away if i wanted so i might go with like a pillow a pillow that would tell me pillow is not furniture the pillow is a part of furniture (laughs) like the pillow on the couch but the pillow could say cc you've been on your phone too much or cc why don't you get off your butt and go do some work i would appreciate that um but it would also freak me out and i feel like i could just turn the pillow around so it couldn't talk to me so you would smother the pillow with itself it's a pillow it's not gonna smother itself wow Mm. 
Okay, uh, that's a lot of assuming. Why are you, you guys judging me? Alex said he would throw the stool yeah. outside. Oh, man. <laughs> At least that stool gets to live life outside. All right, fine. Then I would put the pillow in the closet. James, what would you do? <laughs> oh, man. I think I'd want something that was ubiquitous for me, like uh, like the fridge. That'd be awesome. Like uh, It could comment on the groceries I put in it, and it could uh, keep me from binge eating things I shouldn't. And for whatever reason, like now that I'm saying it out loud, it would talk like Red Fox. Yeah. I'd put like pickles in it and be like, oh, I love pickles. That'd be so great. Uh, no, that would J- be horrifying. James has like pictured like James has pictured like this utopian scenario where the fridge becomes his best friend. But I picture it like talking him into an eating disorder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I could also picture it like Making itself warm to spoil your yeah. food if it gets angry with you. Oh wow, man, you guys are dark. <laughs> Why do you think I want to throw my stool outside? Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining the stool, like the the trash can come or the, tra- the garbage man coming to take it away, and like that music from the end of the Hulk series is playing, like that sad music. Dang. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm standing at the door saying, "Good riddance." <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Well, James, you're right. That was one of the weirdest <laughs> icebreakers I think that we have ever had. Mm. Listeners, send us a message on the 13th floor Twitter at 13th floor pod and let us know <laughs> what piece of furniture you would want to be, uh, I guess, sentient. I'm just waiting for James's fridge to, to <laughs> like, just shame him. Like, you're going to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, oh, all right. Well. <laughs> Alex has cracked himself up. So, you guys, today we're talking about aliens. We're returning to one of our favorite topics. And our most popular episode that we've ever had has been alien encounters. Yeah. Everyone likes aliens. Everyone seems to like aliens. People also really liked our, what's it called, Abandoned Places episode. Yeah, that was Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun one. We'll have to revisit Abandoned Places. Yeah, Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it next time we draw it out of the, the vase, but... I think, Alex, you're going to start us off with Alien Encounters today, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I've got one appetizer and one meal. Okay. Sorry, okay? All right. Well, let's start us off with a a yummy, delicious appetizer. Yes, this yummy, delicious appetizer I I picked because it kind of ties into when we talked about extra dimensional beings being these uh, aliens, demons. Who knows? You know, it could be anything. And that's kind of what this story kind of starts out as. So this story is about, uh, it's a guy named Albert K. Bender. And so Albert K. Bender had, he was living at home and this haunting that starts to occur in his house. Objects start moving on their own, lights and electronics are flickering on and off. Yeah, so it's like it's a lot like a poltergeist. And, you know, I didn't cite my source, people, but this is Mysterious Universe. They are so good about collecting so many stories. Mm. But so all these objects are moving around. It's like a poltergeist, like we've talked about before. But the problem comes when not long after he smells sulfur, he has this like psychic link to this thing and it talks to him. And he says that when it talked to him, they said, <laughs> You know what it said? I love pickles. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> so. I guess via this telepathic link, they say, please be advised to to discontinue delving into the mysteries of the universe. We will make an appearance if you disobey. So if he stops, 
they're going to come at him. Yeah, because he was kind of starting to look into this a little bit. Why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you yeah. want to know more about this poltergeist-like activity? And as you would expect, he didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like anybody in a movie, in a horror movie. Yeah, so yeah. he started writing all these things in like a journal. And he noticed that one day his journal went missing. And he couldn't find it anywhere. And then one evening, he said he was in his bedroom and three f- figures stand over him. They're in hoods. Mm, no. Yeah, it, it, Sleep paralysis, but whatever. Yeah, and he, he described them like clergymen. Like kind of like they were, these hooded figures looked very, I guess, uh, I don't know, Catholic. Catholic. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, and like Catholics, they had bright, glowing eyes. Oh. Okay, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like so, to think that my eyes are beautiful yeah. and glowing all the time. <laughs> and so he said that he could barely see them, but he did recognize that their faces were like that of hideous monsters underneath. And then these creatures proceeded to teleport him away to their base, which was located under Antarctica. Ooh. Yes. Lot, oh, we need we gotta do an episode on that in the near future too. Antarctica Eosinio. mysteries. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah, that'd be fun. Uh but he he said that once he was teleported, they explained why they were visiting and that they said that they were examining the oceans and trying to extract a crucial chemical from the seawater. And that they didn't want anyone to know about this. And said, and they said that he could not come forward with this story until after they left the planet. And so, after <clears throat> several more visits with these people over years, and <laughs> uh, as he said, massages from beautiful women, aliens. <laughs> At first, I thought it said it was supposed to, it was a misspelling. It was supposed to be messages. messages? No, it was supposed to be massages. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, and, and and so then they left, and he was allowed to write his book, which he wrote about nine years later, and it came out in nineteen sixty-two. And the book is called "Flying Saucers and the Three Men." But the thing is, by the time he got to write the book, nobody cared. No one. Not that they would have cared to begin with. because No one read it? No. No one read it. Mm. <clears throat> These are potential extra-dimensional beings doing ghost-like activity, even though they're supposedly aliens. Maybe they're all the same thing, people. Mm. So, the other story <laughs> I mostly picked because of the, the, the first sentence of the story. I'm going to read the first sentence of this story. <laughs> it says, We have a case of Cuebo Rodillas, uh, Puerto Rico, where in July of 1977, witness Adrian Almos saw a four-foot-tall dwarf flying about with a jetpack. <laughs> 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 Which was weird enough as it is, but uh, it would get even more so in the coming months. So... A- a flying dwarf. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you all the dwarf does not make another appearance. I was very disappointed by this story. Aww. Looking for the dwarf to come back in. That was it. He just saw four, <clears throat> a four foot dwarf, dwarf alien flying a jetpack. 
<laughs> just flying around. Yeah. Oh, Sounds like fun. Yeah. So, yeah. But the interesting thing is Adrian almost has a tendency to run into aliens. Okay. Because just a few yeah. months later in October 1977, he's making a delivery out driving around where he starts hearing this like shrieking monkeys sound. like where, But it's so loud that he has to pull over because he's in physical pain. And he sees this light drop down in front of him. And he says it's a big it's a big light, like 13 feet across. So I guess we could maybe mm-hmm. say that this is maybe a small spaceship or maybe something else. Maybe a, maybe <laughs> something like a... Oh, I thought you were telling me something on my mouth. No. I'm, like, I'm like, we're on a podcast, so it doesn't really no. matter. Sorry, Cece was motioning for to wipe my no, face. I I wasn't, I, no, I was wiping my face. <laughs> so, so <laughs> this <ball of> So, this ball of light starts dividing up into several smaller lights. And this is was his description of what happened. He says, The lights gave off a sort of gas which coalesced into two small creatures, becoming more and more clearly defined. I realized that the pair were the source of the shrieks, and they appeared to be talking to one another. The creatures had apple-colored faces, which I don't know if these are Granny, Granny Smiths or... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's the craziest <laughs> description I've heard. So I, I guess we need to figure out what apples are most prominent down in Puerto Rico, and we would probably be able mm. to figure that out. <laughs> and he says that they were dressed in platinum-white outfits. With diamond-like structures on their foreheads, which were held in place by black headbands. Ooh, this was like a really bad, like seventies, eighties band or something. Yeah, 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 it's like glam metal or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he says that they resemble lizards, and the long red tongues could be seen inside their mouths when they. So, he, so he has no problem using red as a flipping. Uh, described as an adjective for their tongues, just not right. their faces. Which yeah. is why I'm wondering if these are Granny Smiths down there. You know, Well, you know, lots yeah. of aliens are said to be, yeah, gr- little green men. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably Granny Smith All right, apple. we've already determined it with no factual analysis whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. These are Granny Smith apples. <laughs> uh, and so he said that these lizards wore boots as well and that they had these the small box-like device in their hands, which he said... They, they, they aimed at him as if like they were using it to scan him, which I mm-hmm. thought was kind of cool. And then one of them shrieked, he said, in an attempt <laughs> to communicate with him. Which, I, <laughs> which it sounds pretty horrifying. I just picture yeah. like going like, ah! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh. That would, I would, oh, man. please? I would be petrified. Yeah. And then he said that once it failed to communicate with them, that they both stepped back into the large ball of light and flew off. And he said that he just felt weakened and exhausted. And that this is actually, I mean, this kind of sounds like a, a weird one, but this is actually one of the more, most popular cases that are still examined today. Mm. Yeah, so this is a story that they, they still talk about, and apparently a lot of researchers and journalists still talk about it. So... Mm. It's kind of bizarre, but this one's taken very seriously in the UFO it, community. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. This apple alien that we can't determine its color. Alex, you just moved your body in a very peculiar way. Like, you're like, woo. Yeah, I'm a lizard man. <laughs> yeah, it's moving like a lizard. Wait, so you see James. my, have you not noticed my apple face? Your, your apple face. <laughs> Gosh, if I have a bad dream tonight, I'm going to be so mad at you. Apple face. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, you know what? I'm ready for. Who's going? Are you ready to go last? Are you? Uh, yeah, so, James is going James next. James is next. Is that yeah. what you're ready for? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for James. James, Alrighty. tell us tell us about the Stephenville Lights. <clears throat> Will do. And you know, oddly enough, the Stephenville Lights is kind of the appetizer for this story. Ooh. So uh, basically, there's an area in North Texas called Dublin Stephenville, and it consists of two towns, which you can probably infer are Dublin and Stephenville, and the, the most interesting thing about these lights is how many flipping people saw them. And there's going to be more on, on the main course story, too, in terms of just numbers. So what I'm going to do right now is quote a popular mechanics article wherein they uh, actually speak to somebody who saw it initially. This was, by the way, in January 2008. So this wasn't crazy long ago. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, a fellow named Mike Odom says that he saw the lights. He said that they were orbs that glowed at first and then began to flash. There was no regular pattern to the flashing. And they lined up horizontally, seven of them, and then they changed into an arch. And then they lined up vertically. And then they lined up into two rectangles. And uh, they, they just kept altering formation. This is what where it gets uh, interesting, though. They were followed by two F-16 jets. And the fellow Ooh. who's talking about this, Alan Odom, he is, or Mike Odom, rather, uh, he's actually an experienced pilot. So this isn't like just guesswork. He, he recognized the jets. He's pretty well versed in aircraft. So it, it's not just a case of somebody mistaking Venus for a UFO like so many other huh. of these stories. So later that night, James Hughes, who is an uh, Air Force navigation specialist, he was uh, saying bye to some of his friends, and he sees in his periphery, two red orbs and he and this is a quote he said they are the reddest things i'd ever seen in the sky they came right in front of me at two thousand feet about a half a mile away again this guy's an air force navigation specialist whenever he's using these numbers he is being very precise they came in front of him at two thousand feet half a mile away they were going about 60 miles per hour and they made no noise now that's two people in stephenville who saw this well, 15 miles southwest in Dublin, Constable Leroy Gayton, he was eating his slice of his wife's birthday cake. I love how specific these stories Yummy. are. <laughs> yeah, Popular mechanics is, is so good at that. So he is, this is, I mean, this is so precise. He was eating a slice of her birthday cake, and then he went to his patrol car to get his wallet so his family could watch Mr. Bean on pay-per-view. <laughs> this makes me not feel as silly for my pizza story where I saw you a pub. Um, and from there, he sees, and this, here we go, in, back in quotes. First, I saw a yellow-red orb, the color of lava, in a volcano. What kind of description? This is worse than apple in some what? ways. Yeah. Um, then, instead of red orbs, there were nine or ten flashing lights, maybe 3,000 feet in the air, bouncing and very bright. They hovered there, strobing for two or three minutes, like bright German auto headlights. Then they shot off at a blazing speed, like a school of fish, you know, when it's frightened. And later, this is hmm. important, he says he saw two jets fly over. That matches the, the initial story with the, the other fellow talking about the two F-16s. So... This is one of those things where a lot of people saw the Stephenville lights and their stories are just very corroborated. Like the details 
tend to overlap to a point where nobody's like, well, I saw a blue triangle. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw a red X. Like nobody's seeing different things. They're seeing the Hmm. same things followed by two F-16s. So, yeah, the the real question here isn't are these – is this a real sighting? The question is are they UFOs or do the F-16 signify that this is some sort of experimental aircraft? And that's the question that tends to come to mind whenever we talk about hmm. UFOs. It's not, it's not whether their UFOs are real. UFOs are flipping real. The question is, right. are they extraterrestrial in origin or are they some sort of experimental aircraft or some other phenomenon? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because when people think of the word UFO, they think of spacecraft from, you know, Neptune, but that's not necessarily the case. So, uh, yeah, that's my appetizer. Here comes the the big one. Let me just ask you guys a question before I start on it. What is the what do you think the biggest number of a UFO sighting would be? Like the number of people to see one? Ooh, I'm gonna say five hundred. Five hundred? My goodness. Uh, I would never say that many, but I wonder if that's closer. Well, I'm gonna do I'm doing the prices right method, but I'm gonna be a little more bold. Uh-huh. Uh, thirty. <laughs> thirty. Wow. Okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll get into it here in a little bit. Um, so, to start off, 1989, all right, people in Belgium reported seeing large triangular UFO hovering in the sky. Nothing unusual about it other than that. No, no radiation detected, nothing. No, no anomaly, anomalies. A few months later, in March of 1990, there were new sightings. Lots more objects. These were actually confirmed by military ground radar stations. And guess what they sent out to investigate? This is the little common tie here. F-16s. Two F-16s. Two. The same number as the previous one. What's the deal with two F-16s being sent out whenever there's a UFO sighting? Is that like part of Project Blue Book or something? By the way, the History Channel's doing a, a Project Blue Book special, just so you guys know. So keep an eye out oh, for ooh, it. It's kind of neat that we talked fun. about that, and now there's like a, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Yeah, this is what is referred to as the Belgium UFO wave. It started in 89, but over several months, people just kept seeing them over and over. Like you kept Hmm. seeing reports, both from military and civilians, uh, to a point where on March 30th, the Control Reporting Center, or CRC at Glons, I guess that's how you flip and say it, uh, they they actually received reports that there were three lights moving towards Storm Bay Glimblu, Gosh, flipping Belgium names are hard. And uh, this is this is a little ways southeast of Brussels. And ten minutes later, a number of other reports started just flying in. So what they ended up doing, Traffic Control Center, they decided to track the object with their radar. But in doing so, it scrambled the uh, F-16s that were sent after it. So it kind of hmm. caused more problems than, than anything else. Now, a lot of skeptics say that this is the result of a form of atmospheric interference called Bragg scattering. But this is one of those things where we have photos. We have photos of black triangles, uh, and each, each uh, corner of the triangle terminates with a bright red light. This, so this is one of those hmm. things where it's like, what else could it be? Uh, I don't think it's a, co- a form of, uh, you know, scattering or any other kind of hallucination uh, or any, uh, what do you call it, a visual, uh, what's what's that called? An optical you, illusion? There we go. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. <laughs> An optical illusion. Now, here's why I wanted to talk about this one. Because 
13,500 people saw this. That is a... Wow. I Let beat you, Alex. in for a minute. I beat you. Yeah. At that point, you know, I mean, I, I try to be skeptical. It's not easy for me, obviously. But I try to be skeptical <laughs> about, about stuff like this. But when you have a number of people seeing something like that, that sheer number, at that point, you have to either say, okay, well, hands down, they saw a UFO, but maybe it's not a spacecraft, or that many people experienced a mass delusion. Gas leak. Well, if, if you're going, yeah, gas leak. <laughs> uh, if, if you're willing to argue that that many people could suffer a mass delusion, then you could at that point explain away just about anything. Oh, gravity. No, people just hallucinate that. That's just, uh, <laughs> when you drop an apple, you really want it to hit the floor. So that's why it does. It, it, at that at that point, I think it really does away with the notion that this is all just people misremembering things or misseeing things. 13,500 people over a period of month in Belgium, which includes, like I said, it's not just a case of like a handful of school children. These are people of all ages, all walks of life, including people well-versed in aircraft, uh, including literally American U.S. Air Force members who've been stationed in the region. So, yeah, I, I'm very, very, very skeptical about the notion that this was just a, some sort of mistake. So, yeah, mass hysteria. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Don't buy it, you guys. Me neither. James, Me neither. James being skeptical? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't exist. All right. Does that mean? Does that mean that we're ready to talk about? David Huggins. We are. Uh, I'm excited. Okay. Sure. All right, you guys. I do, Have you guys ever heard of David Huggins? Sounds yeah. really familiar. You've yeah, heard I'm of a, him? I have. He's a David Huggins fan. I am. Huggins sounds really familiar. I'm a cotton-headed David Huggins. <laughs> well, <laughs> David Huggins has a very interesting alien encounter story. Encounters, technically, because he had lots of encounters. <laughs> um, but a guy named Brad Abrahams made a documentary about Mr. Huggins' encounters. And the documentary is called Love and Saucers. <laughs> wow. Perfect. And I, I watched it. It was, it was actually a very interesting documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it for free on a platform called Tubi, spelled T-U-B-I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a lot of free stuff on there. It just has ads. Yeah, it had yeah, it had an ad, but mm. it was it was good. I would recommend it. Did he get a massage from a beautiful alien woman though? <laughs> oh, you better believe he got oh, a massage. Oh, oh boy, <laughs> he got more than a Huggins, huh? Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> Huggins, he he claims again to have had over a hundred encounters with different aliens <laughs> over the years. I'm gonna start at the very beginning. Okay, so his first meeting happened in. 1952, when he was just eight years old. And he was just minding his own business, hanging out underneath a tree on his family farm in Paulding County, Georgia, no. which is just like an hour west of us, Alex. Wow. Uh, mm. But he says that this extraterrestrial called out to him and he said, quote, David, behind you. And David's just standing there. He turns around and he sees his hairy little fellow with bright yellow eyes oh, coming toward him. That's horrifying. Yeah, it sounds like a mini Bigfoot. And David Huggins actually described it as a Sasquatch. Mm. I just don't think that it was like on the same scale, but but whatever. You guys, mm. what if what if 
sad. Like, this is proof that Bigfoot actually is an alien. Ooh, it could be. Ooh. But I'm pretty sure that had to be terrifying. But David claims to have met all sorts of different types of animal, like, or not animals, aliens, I guess, over the years. Mm-hmm. And the Bigfoot one was just his first one. But there was also a ringleader alien that he kept running into. He was tall and thin, and he had a knob on the back of his head. And David Huggins said that he seemed very authoritative and like he was like, he's in charge. Mm, most knob heads are authoritative. <laughs> Louise has a knob on her Yeah, our dog Louise has a knob on her head. We always call her knobby. But David also encountered lots of little grays. Oh. So they were like the little typical worker bee aliens. They had the little, the little uh, green, not green, gray heads. Yeah. Had little gray heads and the big black eyes. Of course. Yeah. And then there was also this praying mantis alien. Oof. Yeah, it was tall, and he seemed like he was almost like an extraterrestrial protector, like he was guarding the other aliens. Mm. And then there was Crescent, you guys. Oh, boy. Crescent. She's sweet. She's sweet. Their, fr- <laughs> their, their relationship was, quote, warm and friendly. Mm. Uh, but mm-hmm. David Huggins claims that Crescent took his virginity when he was 17 years old. <laughs> you weren't kidding about Warren. In 1961, yeah. Oh, wow. Come in. Is that the first like space sex crime? David says that he was just walking through the woods one day, and then he sees Crescent like just sitting there in the middle of, like I guess, a little opening. And she starts walking toward him, and he says that he got all aroused, and he couldn't take his pants off fast enough. Wow. And then they got frisky whiskey. Uh huh. Yeah. Does it say? Did he ask for her ID first? <laughs> well, I think I think <laughs> I'm not sure of this, but it seems to me like he might have seen Crescent like over the years. Oh, okay. So I don't know. He's older it was a growing that. love story. I don't know. But David says that after that, Crescent was basically his girlfriend. Mm. Their relationship just blossomed from there. Well, <laughs> she was beautiful. She had a nice figure. He says that she had these big eyes. She had long fingernails. And she kind of like, because he painted pictures of her, and she looks kind of human-esque, except with like an alien face. Okay. Um, but he it's continued. Just some lady in a mask. Well, he he was apparently in irresistible to other extraterrestrial women too, because I think that he said in the documentary that he had relationships with other alien women over the years too. Mm. So. Is this Dang. Crescent that I'm looking up right here? See, yeah, she, that's Crescent. She's horrifying. <laughs> he says that. I'm sure that maybe maybe when you're in her presence, she's, I don't know. This is like every, oh my God. Alex looked up pictures. Oh, here's a naked Crescent. one. He drew a naked one over. He'll see. I don't think that's Crescent. In his, in the documentary, he said that that was another, another woman. This, this guy paints the sex he allegedly has with aliens. <laughs> I read that article by wow. Vice. It was very good. I also watched uh, a YouTube video from this girl named Alyssa Ray. And she basically told the story of David Huggins before I watched the documentary. Like, and she was really good. I highly recommend her YouTube channel. Mm. Wow. Yeah, no, this is him. Yeah, that's him. He looks like a nice guy. He is a nice guy. And she looks horrifying. Once you go gray, Alex. <laughs> hey, he, di- he didn't judge a book by its cover. There he was you go. in love. He did say at the very end of the documentary that if he had had the chance to leave and go with the aliens, he would have gone with the aliens. 
Mm-hmm. Alex, Alex, Good for him. exit out of Alex is looking at all these pictures on this, Google. This and is he's the just, stuff of nightmare. Alex, turn it <laughs> off. Turn it off. Never played Mass Effect, Alex. Mass Effect. No, not with something like that. Well, <laughs> one day, Crescent came to David apparently through a portal that just appeared in the wall of his house because he eventually left Georgia. He moved to New York City, but. Crescent came to him and she's all frantic and she's freaking out and she started yelling at him. She kept saying, the baby is dying. And David's like, what baby? Whose baby are you talking about? And then she's like, your baby. Mm. And then he's like, if my baby's dying, I want to go and see it. But she remembers she had just come from a portal from her universe. And Crescent is like, you're not allowed to come to my universe. And he's like, watch me. Like, that's my baby. I'm going to go find my baby and take care of it. Good for him. And so he says that he passed out onto his bed, and then all of a sudden he was in this other universe. Wait, so he was like, I'm going to take a nap, and then I, he wakes up in their universe? I don't I don't know. <laughs> they didn't really go into it. I was wondering, but yeah. she's like, okay, fine. And so he goes to her universe, and he says that when he gets there, he sees her holding the baby, and it like, looks like it's lifeless. She's holding it kind of awkwardly, so he's like, no, cradle the baby. So she oh. cradles the baby, and then he touches the baby, and the baby's eyes open. It's fine. Oh. It's okay. It was Turn, perfectly fine. Turns out Huggins was the alien all along. No. Mm, yeah, well, he's got ET healing powers. Yeah. Yeah, he's, it was a miracle. He says that it's like almost like he transferred his energy to the baby. Oh, so then the praying mantis alien, which I don't think I mentioned this earlier, whenever David Huggins was having frisky whiskey with an alien woman, the praying mantis was always there. That's why he's kind of <laughs> like, he's kind of like the pro- protector alien. He's a voyeur is what he is. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's in just... <laughs> Huggins? Zorak is a voyeur. <laughs> well, the... The, the uh, praying mantis was not happy that David was in their universe, and he's like, what are you doing here? But then he saw that David, like, helped save the baby, and then the praying mantis was like, David, come here, I gotta show you something. Oh, my okay. God. What? And he takes he takes David to this room filled with little alien babies that all look sick and david's like what the like whose babies are these and then the pregnantis is like david they're your babies oh my god all of them all of them so he goes and he touches all the babies and they're fine they're okay he says this is this is there's this one picture where it's like he painted himself seeing the babies and it looks like he's like what the hell i'm gonna have more questions about this one (laughs) yeah stop it there's a picture. Just this is the off. best commercial for ketamine I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> let's be nice, you guys. Okay. No. Let's be nice. Oh my gosh! But yeah, the so, praying mantis is literally a praying mantis. It's yeah, yeah, it looks like a praying mantis. So, anyways, <laughs> David saves all the babies. But after this, David sort of feel really guilty, you guys. So for some reason, in his brain, I guess that he kind of thought that he hadn't helped the babies and they'd all died and all this stuff, and he sounded like he had a panic attack. But then he says that Crescent came to him and was like, no, 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 the baby's fine. Chill, dude. And then that made David feel better. Oh. Um, and he went on, apparently. And this is a thing that I kind of, I, I'm kind of confused about. Uh, but apparently after all of these encounters with the aliens, David would forget what had happened. Mm-hmm. And then he, he went on, I guess. I guess the aliens stopped coming to him. But he couldn't remember anything. And then all of a sudden he, he went on. He got married to a human lady. Uh-oh. And they had a, a son. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, David started getting really paranoid, and he didn't know it was wrong. 
And then he found this book by a guy named Bud Hopkins who shared stories of people who had encountered other extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. And uh, Huggins said it was almost like he was being drawn to this book, like he was supposed to be reading it. So he reads this book and there's this chapter about people, I guess, who had had sexual encounters with aliens. Mm -hmm. And it was like all of the memories just came flooding back to him. And he thought he was going crazy. Uh, But the aliens were like, paint. Paint David. Mm-hmm. And so he painted. Paint he did. He painted a lot there of pictures. so many pictures online. If you want to see his art, he actually has a book of all of his painting. It's called Love in Alien Purgatory, The Life and Fantastic Art of David Huggins. Mm-hmm. So you can actually, if you just look up David Huggins art on Google, you can find all of it. As you can hear, Alex and James have been looking it up. <laughs> so the documentary Love and Saucers, which I do recommend, again, it was by Brad Abrahams, is actually very interesting. Really? But after watching it, because when you know when you just read this and you kind of see it and you don't really hear the story from David Huggins himself, it sounds crazy. Which I mean, both of you guys probably mm. think it sounds crazy. Yes. Uh, mm. But after watching the interview with him, I really do think that he's being genuine. And that he he does believe that all of this happened to him. He looks like a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. His he works he like... works at a deli in New Jersey. Is he still married to? The... No, that ended. That ended. But he I still has. Why. A, he still mm. has a great relationship with his son. His son is actually in the documentary, and mm. I I don't know. All of his friends and family members believe him and believe his story. I mean, he's so, selling me on it. He's yeah. It's, it's a very, very interesting story, but he tells the story so matter-of-factly, and it's like almost like he doesn't he doesn't care what anyone thinks of him. It's like, this is what happened mm-hmm. to me. Take it if you want to. I'm not going to try to convince you, yeah. but I'm going to tell you my story. So, I don't know. That makes yeah. it a little bit more credible in my well, eyes. These very stories are too consistent uh, to be the product of, like, schizophrenic hallucinations. So, I will say that. Like, yeah. If you, if you weird. Watch the documentary. He doesn't like, he seems to me like he's, he's being honest. Hmm. I don't think he's being, you know, crazy. Wow. And I, like the fact that his, even his son believes him. Like, I feel like if I found out that my dad said that he had had, you know, 60 relationship alien with an baby. A, <laughs> yeah. An alien. They've got, you know, a whole bunch of half alien brothers and sisters out there. I would probably think, wow. Like, I don't know if I want to deal with this, but <laughs> his son, his son is, his son seems really nice. He's an ESL teacher. Wow. Yeah. But I thought that it Who's was. Who's he teaching that second That's what I was going to say. Neptunians. and sisters. Man. <laughs> but it's, it's a really, really cool little documentary. I highly recommend it. Hmm. Um, David is currently working on a screenplay about his encounters. He probably, he might've already finished it because I think this documentary came out two years ago. I want to watch mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. But, uh, David also, he uses the I Ching to answer questions that he has. Oh, weird. There you go, James. So, James, (laughs) I know that you use it. Yep. Um, All of his friends seem to be very understanding of his encounters. And, like, they had an interview with the owner of the deli where he works part-time. And the owner of the deli was like, yeah, I believe him. Like, this is what he told me happened to him. And I believe him. Like, everyone in his community seems to think that he's being 100% honest. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Right. Very disconcerting after seeing those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of it's kind of creepy. Those pictures do like you see them and it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Like But she seems like a sweet woman until you realize that she's been hiding his children from him. Yeah, he yeah. had no I, that kind of shocked me, but you know, yeah. he was 
He moved to New York City. I think he went to art school in New York. Yeah. And he was there. He he says he went on some dates with girls, but, you know, it would just be one date and it never yeah. led anywhere. Well, I mean, obviously, He's, once you go gray, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you stay. Once you go gray, you stay. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the story of David Huggins. Watch the documentary. Wow. I'll have to check it out. I really want to see this. I really hope someone makes his screenplay because that sounds like a wild movie. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, it sounds like, like Naked Lunch, but actually naked. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. What? Yeah, Have you not even. seen Naked Lunch? Oh my God, it's such a trip, you guys. Oh my God. Well, you guys, now you have, listeners, you have two things Lots you need homework. to watch. Yeah, you need to watch Love and Saucers and also Naked Lunch. I'm yeah. concerned about putting Naked Lunch in my search history. Yeah, oh, Alex. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, okay. It's, 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 it, there's no lunch and nobody's naked, but you will have nightmares. It's got pretty good reviews, actually. Yeah, well, it's written it. by uh, William S. Burroughs or whatever. You know, the dude who. Shot his wife because he was playing William Tell. <laughs> oh, this is a Cronenberg movie? Yeah. <gasps> and Alex is excited now. Ooh. Well, yeah. okay. you guys, that's Alien Encounters. <laughs> you guys making fun of poor David Huggins. Well, you know, a little bit. he looks like a nice guy. Yeah, I'm not saying I doubt him. I'm just saying this is quite the surreal encounter it's wild it's nuts but you know there was there were some like analysis by like other people who study alien encounters and they say you know there are records of people encountering you know uh, godly figures or angels and demons Mm. over the years and it's like if something like that were to happen to you like in real life I'm yeah. sure that you would be reacting the exact same way. Like, I don't sure. know what's yeah. going on. Well, not to be make it too spooky, but, uh, you know, going back to the whole Aleister Crowley okay. saying aliens are demons, you know, the, the whole idea of a, a human-demon hybrid is also not new. They're called cambions, and the most famous of which is Merlin. Merlin in, in all the texts is a cambion. He's the product of a demon and a, and a human. What? Yeah. James. James. <laughs> he, he knows too much. James, yeah, what if James is, um, James, why do you have to scare me like that right before I go to bed? What if he's well, one of Huggins' children? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That would be nuts. He's pretty pale. James is pretty pale. This podcast mm. is just a, a stream of theories about James' origins. <laughs> that is true. Every episode, I feel like we're like, oh, James is, you know, a 200-year-old vampire. No, James is a Alien hybrid baby. We'll see. You did see an alien ship. I did. You were eating your pizza. Yep. What if they were just coming for a family reunion, James? (laughs) (sighs) Jeez Louise. Well, I'm not going to sleep tonight. That was a wild episode. Why? Because those paintings? No, it's just every time I think of aliens, they scare me. Why? Some of these were pretty nice, or yeah. they just screamed They seem pretty nice. They One of them had, nice. had apple face. Apple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So. Well, there we are. Listener, if you've ever encountered an alien, send us your story. 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com, and we could read it right here on the show. We'll give you a shout out. We'll send you a virtual hug. It's going to be great. So if you've seen an alien, let us know. Yeah, let us know. It'll be fun. Yeah. And our uh, music is by Grant Cook. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to music. Yes, and now it is time to draw our episode for next week. 
All right, next week, you guys, we are talking about. We have so much stuff in here. Dun, dun, oh, that dun, one's dun, blank. Dun, dun. We are talking about <sighs> secrets of the sea. Ooh. And this topic was suggested to us. <laughs> I feel like we've done a lot of episodes of him lately. Uh, my former coworker Nick, you, I miss him dearly. He <laughs> left. He left the company to pursue his dream of learning how to fly helicopters. Wow. So good luck, Nick. If you have any more topic suggestions, you can just text me. <laughs> I actually spoke to him earlier about tuna fish sandwich. Anyways, anyways. Wow, that's a secret. I digress. How do people eat tuna fish? Good yeah, I would hate tuna fish. I don't like it either. Yeah, I'll eat it raw. I'll eat it raw, but not, not, not that sun-kissed stuff or whatever it's called. Yes, I agree. Listen. <laughs> Listen, let's just let's just head out. Are you all ready? <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you all ready? I'm ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. Until next week, you guys. <laughs> we hope that you can keep, keep it strange. <laughs> <laughs>